Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to Women's World Football Show. Patty LaBella here with Adam Barlow. We have a potpourri of women's football on today's show. We're touching on just about everything. But first, Adam, you have an announcement, right? Yes, um, we always like to announce exciting things, and it's Sarah, the cowgirl Hallett's birthday today of the day that we're recording this show. So we just want to put our, put our thanks on record and wish our very own cowgirl blogger a very happy birthday. Barry's Barry sends loves, kisses, and cake. Very good blogger, very good writer, and we're very happy and appreciative that she's contributes to our show. So happy birthday, Sarah! Yay! Sarah's in sure. Canada. Yes, I know she's she's having an absolute hoot of a time. I mean, you know, it's where where better to spend your your birthday. Yeah. I nearly said spend your 40th birthday there, but I did because I'm a gentleman and she, she's not really 40 anyway. So. <laughs> I wonder if she's hooking up with some of Barry's relatives. She probably is. Yeah. I mean, obviously she does the blog, but Barry oversees We put Barry in charge of our North American division, so Barry mm-hmm. maybe has put her in touch with some people over there. All right. So, um, should we go straight into these two very important, prestigious and tough friendlies that the United <laughs> States women's national team played a couple of weeks ago? I mean... You know, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, and speaking of our correspondence, our post-game Gator, let's go Gators. AJ Johnson was at the women's national team versus Costa Rica match in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, where they beat Costa Rica seven to two. Of course, a few days before that, on August sixteenth, they were in Heinz Field in front of a crowd of forty-four thousand people, and they they put the pounding on Costa Rica 8-0 in that match. So not a lot of competition for them. I think they're, you know, it's, a, it's the victory tour. It's giving it, the fans a chance to come out and see this Women's World Cup and also, championship. And also fuels the uh, bank balance of U.S. soccer as well, doesn't it? That, yeah, that, that I know. Helps. You always like to spout off about that. But hey, you know what? <laughs> hey, at least, they're, at least they're self-sufficient. You know, they don't have to piggyback off the, the coattails of the men's soccer program here in the U.S., U.S. women make think, their own money. Uh, well, it's, it's tough for the U.S. men because they can't really do a, a victory tour with a fourth place finish in the Gold Cup, can they? I mean, what they're going to do, take around their participator trophy on tour with them? I, I mean, it, they, they can't really do a victory tour, can they, bless them? Um, well, you know, so, and it's not even about a victory tour. I mean, we've seen it just in years where there's no, like, big tournaments. The U.S. women can go to any stadium in the United States and play a national team and just sell out. So they have always been able to make their own money. money yeah for u.s soccer so good for them in that match against costa rica uh, where aj was at tennessee goals came by lloyd had two goals uh, heather o'reilly had two goals abby wambach had a goal alex morgan had a goal uh, alvarado had an own goal so uh, a lot of people scoring o'reilly wambach morgan people we haven't seen really doing a lot getting their confidence <laughs> back you know so that's good I think the high point in that first game has got to be Megan Klinenberg's um, 
goal celebration with a terrible towel, hasn't it? I think that was the most interesting thing of the entire game. But as obviously in this, these, you know, the sporting capital of America, it, it was always great to, to see a, a huge crowd like that. And, and yeah, it's marvelous stuff. And next on uh, next on schedule too, for those of you who are penciling in your U.S. Women's National Team uh, victory tour schedule, the Matildas are coming to town. Then on September 17th, they'll play at Ford Field in Detroit, Michigan. And then a couple days later on the 20th, they match up again against the Matildas at Legion Field in Birmingham, Alabama in the Deep South. So that'll be fun. And we'll talk- AJ, AJ will be at the Alabama game. So if you didn't win the date with AJ in the first first one, you, you might be able to catch up with her in Alabama. But I suppose it's also important to say that Costa Rica did get two goals in that second game. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and also Alyssa Nairn came in for um, my girl Hope Solo, didn't she? So uh, it was always good to see yeah. different people get the game. And I know when Ashton Harris started in Pittsburgh, uh, it brought Twitter to a, a complete standstill, didn't it? So it's, it is nice to see a few different faces having a game in this, um, you know, tour. But you know, yeah. it's everybody it, plays. It, it, you know, that's the that's yes. the motto. Everybody plays. Even oh. Abby, even Abby, even, even Abby dons the boots and has a go. <laughs> and speaking of Abby. Uh, you know, AJ was at the game, like I said, she got some, a few sound bites, and so she uh, got to talk to Abby a little bit, and Abby talked about her assist, actually got an assist on one of Heather O'Reilly's goals, and also her thoughts on retiring players, Holiday, Kalupni, and Box. So let's listen to Abby Wampak. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's so many opportunities uh, that Heather has put me in to score goals, and... Um, I don't know, I don't find myself in those positions very often where I get to actually serve balls into her and for her to head the ball home for the goal. You know, it was a clinical finish on her part. She's had two very good games against Costa Rica and I'm proud of her and I'm I'm proud to have been able to return the favor for so many opportunities and so many chances she's given me over the years. You know, you want to soak up every second, every minute, uh, especially in this victory tour because this is about celebrating the World Cup victory but also about celebrating people's careers. And, you know, Lauren Holiday, Shannon Box, and, and Lori Kolepny, they've all dedicated their lives to, to this sport. And so this not only is to, to celebrate the victory that we, we, all, we all participated in this summer, uh, but the, to celebrate the, their careers. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm soaking it up big time. It's fun to watch them play. It's fun to watch them go out there uh, and uh, see their last games as a, a women's national team player. Well, obviously Chattanooga's gone through uh, a trying time, and I think that for us to be able to play here, to give some some of the people of the city something to cheer for, and uh, we want to be a, a shining light of positivity, and I think that we did that this summer, and for us to go on this 10-game victory tour to uh, some of these cities that might need the, the, the lifting up. The crowd is amazing, even, even amongst the thunderstorms and the lightning. Uh, huge huge crowd huge cheers and and hopefully we gave uh, the city of Chattanooga something positive to to cheer for and that's something I'm really proud of and 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 I know there's so many tragedies that go on but but this was really special for us and and it was really personal for Chattanooga. Abby's spreading sunshine wherever she goes. I love love her quote she's like we want to be a shining light of positivity. I mean don't we all that's what we all want to do right? (laughs) Be a shining light of positivity. Gotta love it. I'm not, I'm not going to say anything about that <laughs> shining like my ass. I mean, all the negative. She's probably the. I can understand because a lot of these players are very positive, but it's very rare you read anything positive from Abby. But you know, that right. might just be. She's me. turning over a know. new leaf. She's got the third star, so why not? Um, yeah. Also, Jill Ellis, the coach. 
Good old Jill. She had a short presser. AJ sat in on it. And so let's listen in on Jill Ellis's post-game press conference, just talking about, you know, what these friendlies mean to the players and in preparing for the Olympic qualifiers. Just, again, these first couple of games were really about the players enjoying being back together with each other. I felt much like the first match against Costa Rica. I thought at times our ball movement was pretty good. Uh, I think, you know, the weather, the, the delay, was a little sloppy in some areas, but um, you know, overall, I was just pleased with the effort. You've got to also remember that these players are still playing for their clubs. So there's, you know, there's a lot of things pulling at them, so I thought their focus was very good. We've never been in this situation where we've had a, a World Cup dovetail you know, right into an Olympic World World Cup victory, yeah. So I think it's it's balancing that. It's looking at the next, you know, six months to qualifying and, and certainly saying we've got to make sure that we get preparation ready for, for the next uh, the event next year. You know, the other thing that when AJ went um, over to that match, she said, hey, is there anybody you want me to interview? And I said, yeah, try to get Shannon Box. Because I know you're, I know a lot of people, especially a lot of fan girls and stuff, they don't really know Shannon Box. She's part of the old guard, you know, and she didn't play a lot. She's uh, dealt with some illnesses and injuries, and then she had a baby last year. But Shannon Box really, I'm so happy that I know people were upset that when Jalelis put together this the Women's World Cup roster that that she left Crystal Dunn off and put Shannon Box in. But I I totally love that move because Shannon Box is kind of one of those just the face of the U.S. franchise for so long, one of the best uh, holding midfielders and tacking, I mean, somebody who's just versatile in midfield. So to have her hoist that trophy is just one of those things for for, uh, for fans in the U.S. It meant a lot. So AJ was there. She talked to Shannon Box, talked to her a little bit about how having a baby changed her perspective and if playing in front of all these huge crowds has changed her mind about retiring. So let's listen to AJ's interview with uh, Shannon Box. Of course. And playing in front of big crowds like this, has it uh, made you change your mind or second guess retiring? <laughs> no, you know what? Um, I mean, it's so amazing that we've gotten such great crowds already. Um, and obviously for them to stay out this long after the rainstorm. Um, but no, you know what? I'm super excited about my decision. Um, it's been a lot of years that I've given to this team and I've had so much fun and such great experiences and great memories, but I'm ready for the next step. Has having a baby changed you personally or as a as an athlete on the field? You know, just having a baby gives you a lot of perspective, you know, and um, I always wanted to do that if I could, was to come back and play and um, I share that experience with her, even though I know she won't know it now and she won't remember it, but I'll be able to show her pictures and, and say that you were a part of this and I got back after you and it was really hard and it, there's so many life lessons that I want to teach her um, about me playing at this level and, and coming back. So, you know, it changes perspective in the way that, that soccer, I think, was everything and anything and it still is um, it meant so much to me to get back on this world cup team and win this championship but it's also in perspective of you know if i have a bad day i go home and i see your smile and it really makes me get over things really fast and i move on to the next day and i do better the next day what's your plan after you retire um i'm gonna coach you know i want to stay in the game it might be with young kids though won't be really with uh, higher ups at this point red stars um no not red stars no i'm gonna be in portland so um i'm gonna start with coaching kids and, and see where that goes. Okay, cool. Last question. Do you have any upcoming events with the Lupus Foundation? You know what? There's a gala that I'm actually missing. It's the Lupus Gala. Um, Lupus Foundation
graduation gala that's in October uh, in DC. So unfortunately, I'm missing that again. Um, but you know, I'm, that's what I'm looking forward to as well is being done and being able to go to these different events and really, you know, help out a lot more. I think right now I've been able to give my name a little bit, but I haven't been able to really be there. And I feel you know that that's my next step. Awesome. Thank you Thanks very for much. asking me about that. I appreciate it. And so, and so you can really hear Boxy at the end, very grateful to talk about her involvement with the Lupus Foundation and, and how retiring will help, will allow her to lend more than just her name. You know, I interviewed Shannon Box. I had a nice one-on-one -on -one interview with Shannon Box a few years ago that before we started doing this show. And I'll, have, I'll find the link somewhere and put it on our show notes because it's, it's very cool to talk to somebody who very in touch with, with youth soccer and remembering what it was like growing up and playing soccer as a, as a young girl. And so, and then we heard in that interview with AJ how she's going to parlay that into retirement is coaching youth, coaching the youth in Portland, which I thought was kind of a, kind of a little coup there. Yeah, so it's, pretty it's interesting. Love, love hearing from, from, from Boxy. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of the Red Stars, were we talking about the Red Stars? <laughs> no. In, in, a round, in a roundabout. In a roundabout well, Shannon Box plays on the Red Stars, so it was just like, they made it into the top four, Adam. Did any of us yes, have them picked? Uh, yes, I did. Uh, three, uh, three out of my four have made made the, the, the playoffs. Oh, but, um, I'm not, bra not bragging about that, but been a bit of a damp squib this, hasn't it? Because we're used to things going down to the wire and being really exciting, but uh, some teams have still got a couple of games to go in this NWSL season, and uh, sadly they don't really mean anything at all because we, we know who the top four are going to be, and we know the, the five teams are going to be sat at home metaphorically speaking, with us eating Dunkin' Donuts and, and watching the, the playoffs on television. Especially in Boston. They've so, had their donuts out for about five weeks, about <laughs> six weeks. Uh, well, I just say Dunkin' Donuts because they're in Boston. But uh, yeah, Seattle oh. Rain, winners of the Community Shield for the second year in a row. No big surprise there. Sit on the top. I think they got home field advantage for the playoffs. They do the semifinals, don't in they? The semifinals. And then Chicago Red Stars right below them, which you know they came into the pl into this uh, playoff race kind of cool, you know, like they didn't their results were kind of eh, mediocre. They had a big win the other night against Western New York Flash, and I think they're come, going in kind of hot, you know. Now they're coming in kind of hot into the playoffs, and that's kind of what you that's how you want to be. FC Kansas City, and then of course Washington Spirit squeaking in. Yeah. Yes, those two those two clubs played out a draw, didn't they, in midweek, mm -hmm. and that that sealed. Uh, Washington's place in the playoffs, which it's like I said, we like to see things close. Obviously, if you're a fan of the top four football clubs, then it's all great for you. But uh, yeah, a bit of a damp squib that we already know that there's going to be a couple of rounds of pointless games or meaningless games, I should say. And I suppose we should also say that uh, the Boston Breakers are officially going to get the wooden spoon. So, uh, <laughs> ouch. That's that's two wooden spoons in Boston. You'll have a draw full of them, I assume, by the end of the season. Yeah. What what with the Red Sox and the Breakers, but yeah. that means they're going to get the first um, the first pick in the draft. And yeah, but it's amazing looking at these teams that haven't made it. You're shaking your head, looking like a. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just letting you ramble on. I don't know. <laughs> okay, okay. Just have a look at the out. Barry. Barry, who's top of the ALEs? And who's bottom? Okay, thank thank you for that. Nothing to but, do. Um, that has nothing to do with this. It's quite ironic, isn't it? I mean, some people, this isn't my view, the show's view or anybody's view, but there has been a lot of, um, of uh, accus not accusations, but people do think that the league favours the two glamour teams in, in Houston and Portland, because obviously these are the ones with the 
big MLS, well, I say big, MLS link-ups, you can't put big and MLS in the same sentence, but they have MLS link-ups, don't they? Yes. Now, and these are the two which have kind of, people were a little bit annoyed that they were hosting all the TV games and we weren't seeing games involving two playoff teams. How much does it, do you think it's going to be hurting some people in the front office that the fact that the two teams that they really like uh, to showcase the game aren't in the playoffs in, in Portland and Houston? Mm, I don't think so much with the dash. I think probably Portland a little bit. You know, I think the venue itself is the star. I don't know that it's really the Portland Thorns. I think for TV and for this postseason, they really wanted a good, a nice venue. Something to showcase on TV. Not just the game, but also just that, you know, bringing the 20,000 plus fans in. You have this beautiful backdrop on this incredibly beautiful city. And the fans are just crazy, just soccer crazy. So, I, you know, for that, I think that they're pretty happy that they have uh, Providence Park as the, as the venue for the final. I, th- I think for me, Houston's probably going to be the biggest disappointment to this entire league. Because if you look down that squad... You know, you've got Aaron McLeod in goal. You've got Lauren Sesselman. You've got Carly Lloyd. Mo- Mo- Morgan Bryan, who was meant to be the second coming of Christ when she came out of, of the draft. Um, She's a little injured right now, by the way. Yeah, who, who, who's the other one they've got? There's three US players, isn't there? Um, oh, Megan, Clean. Cle- Megan Kleenenberg. You look at this team and you just look at all that talent and it's like all that um, promotion, all that PR, and it's resulted to five wins all season long. It's. I think there's a few questions. I mean, I can Portland not so much so, but I think there's certainly questions to be asked in, in Houston, and I think that's going to be got to be because this is two years now that they've not really been competitive for the playoffs, uh, and I just wonder. You know, well, the first year, you know, they're they were an expansion team last year was their first year, so not a lot of big expectations there, and they came in last place last year. So, do you really expect a last place team to surge into the playoffs? I mean, I know there's a lot of those big names that you just mentioned. But remember, a lot of them weren't here because of the their national team well, duties. But, but that, that's so... kind of my point with this. I mean, if you, I, 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 I was thinking about this. Obviously, women like cake. You, you love cake, don't you? If you're in a bad mood, I'd bring you a cake and everything would smile and you'd be all happy. I'm more you? of a pie person, but okay. Okay. Well, we'll use cake, okay? okay. Say you're being grumpy, you know, <laughs> the Patriots have lost. And I brought you this nice big cake to cheer you up. Okay. Okay. The big bit with the cake is you've got the like the sponge haven't you the bit on the inside of the cake it doesn't look particularly um fancy but that's where a lot of the quality of the cake comes on the top you have lots of icing and fancy decorations which make the cake look nice don't you sure if i i mean but the the basis of the cake is the foundations and i think that's the same with the nwsl if you look at seattle they they don't rely on i mean they don't rely on the fancy decorations of the national team players Okay, they have Solo and Pino, but you can take Solo out because she doesn't really affect the shape of the game. Whereas I think the Dash have got heavy on icing, which you know what US players. If I just handed you a plate full of icing, that doesn't sound very appealing, does it? But you've got to have the base under the icing. And I think that Houston's gone that heavy on the big names and stuff. And I, I, don't, I think they've forgotten the base of the cake. And how long were you up last night thinking about this? Analogy Quite a bit. of cake? But, but, yeah, but, but you know what? I, but you know what I mean, though. It's it's like having they've got all the star names, they've mm. got all the big players. But yeah. I just wonder, did they neglect the rest of the the foundations in the first half of the season? I don't I don't know. I see what you're saying, and there there are a lot of big. And sometimes we see this with teams, and we talk about it that you know if you you can put a bunch of big star names on a roster and look great, you know that's my fantasy team, that's great. But it may you may come back, you may be 
you know, last in the standings at the end of the week in your fantasy team, even though you've got all these great players in there. So not everyone's going to hit at the right time. Chemistry has a lot to do with it. And I, I really like that Houston Dash has done, have done a lot of things outside of these big name players, things like Kalea Ojai and Jess McDonald and that chemistry there. I think um, their backup goalkeeper, Henninger, is really great. So like they have a lot of little, I guess you can call them sprinkles on your cake. Sometimes you put a sprinkle on your cake and it makes it all, you know, it makes it really tasty. But it may not be like a winning combination. So I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to get in with your with your uh, analogy, but. <laughs> yeah. But that's what I'm saying. I just, I think. Um, but I don't know I what think, the solution is. And what is the solution? I mean, is it Randy Waldrum? No, I don't think it is. I think it's probably further up the chain, but I don't want to point fingers. But I think if you look at Chicago, Kansas, and, and Seattle, they've probably got more, you know, their non-national team players have probably stepped up more. Same with Washington Spirit. That, that If you look at that, they've got um, Krieger and... Uh, they've only really got Krieger because, again, our Harris is a goalkeeper. You don't need to change your shape when she's not there. So if you look at the four teams that have made it, not a not a got the super duper big names you know the carly lloyds the alex morgans all that kind of stuff so i i just think you have to kind of you need to work on your your, your national team players can't be the core because remember remember next year we're going to have the olympics the olympics are later in the year so a lot of these u.s players are going to be missing the playoff run again next year so they seem going to have the safe zone problem and then obviously if the u.s win the gold medal we're going to have another victory tour because you know, if I've got a cash cow like that, I, I keep milking it, and I'm sure U.S. soccer will. So the problems the teams had this year are going to be similar next year. The Dash seemed like they had better results when the, the star players weren't there. Yeah, During, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, maybe that. I mean, maybe it's a little bit of a disruption when these players come in that haven't been practicing day in, day out with the team, and then they just come on in, all this hoopla is around them. So maybe that could yeah. be that could have affected them as well. I mean... We're yeah. just speculating, but, it, but trying to kind of figure out this. Yeah, there is two. There does seem now we've had three years of this league. There does seem to be two very different ways of doing it: either heavy on your national team players or work your way through the draft. I think you have to find a balance between them. I would say probably the Chicago have got the best balance because what um, Seattle have got is they've got a, an excellent coach who scouts the world for brings in world talent, doesn't she? Like Bethany Hernandez, um, uh, Little, and Fishlock, and all that. So. That's that's it. But I suppose the other thing I just want to say is, I bet I bet Sky Blue wish they could just wake up a couple of seasons, a couple of weeks earlier, because this is now two times in a row they've come on a charge uh, mm-hmm. and just failed at the playoffs, haven't they? Because you know they they were dead and buried about six or seven weeks ago, and they've really charged up the place. But to use a greyhound term, they've fallen asleep in the traps. I'm a little disappointed that three out of the four teams that are going to the playoffs this season were the same teams that, that got in last season. I thought we would see a little bit of a mix-up, especially with the Women's World Cup. And FC Kansas City has really surprised me because they were just stacked with U.S. national team players. And I just thought that they would be the team that would hurt the most when those players were out. But they seemed to be able to find a combination and then be able to integrate them back in really seamlessly, those star players. So great job for FC Kansas City, well-deserved. But I would have liked to see, yeah, you kind of like to see it mixed up a little bit. Like, you don't want to see the same teams there year after year. Uh, but uh, well done to the top four. But that's Great that's job. what I say to you. Um, hopefully teams will learn the lesson for next year because it's going to be something similar with the Olympics because 
although the Olympics in Europe is seen as like the third competition behind the Euros and the World Cup, I know you, you chaps over there uh, take it very, very seriously. Not saying that we don't in Europe, but it's, it's further down our priorities. So mm-hmm. it's like I say, you, you're going to have a camp before the Olympics, you're going to have a send-off tour before the Olympics. Mm-hmm. I know the Olympics is a short tournament, then you're going to have a victory tour after. So you're going to have these problems again next year, I think. Yeah. And I think the team that's like really sitting in a great spot, well, I think Seattle's sitting in a pretty good spot, but the Red Stars have really built up this this mentality of knowing that these star players were going to be gone and really brought in a lot of draft, a lot of walk-in players. And now, you know, they, they I don't know if you know this, but the Chicago Red Stars Reserves just won the WPSL. And there's a lot of great players that, that are playing there that a lot of people probably have never heard of like Mary Luba, who they just brought up, the Chicago Red Stars just brought up from the Red Stars Reserves. So they're, they're homegrown players now coming in, and that says a lot. And as this league gets older and as this team starts progressing, to, to, to bring up players through the system is so beneficial. I mean, just that's something you yeah. cannot get. And this is something that Rory Dames and those guys over there have been thinking about and doing since day one that this league started. You know, so I think they're in a really good position that we might see the Chicago Red Stars for a while, for the next few years in the top four, regardless if there's a World Cup or Olympics or whatever, whatever's going on. They're, yeah, si- they, they're they, sitting they, pretty. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hopefully, um, obviously, I'm wearing my flash jersey. I, I thought these see. would be the outside. This is the only team I didn't get into the playoffs. But, yeah. but um, Ashley Nick's doing fine anyway. I spoke to a source close to her the other day, and, she, and she, uh, we mentioned on the last show she got elbowed in the face, but she's doing a lot better. Great job. Great. Light, nice, uh, very smart kit, I have to Thank say. You. You're the only person in England with a Nick Western New York flash jersey, I think. Probably, yes. <laughs> but I am unique, can't I? But who knows? Maybe there's, a, maybe there's an upspring of Nick jerseys coming. If you have a Nick jersey, tweet yeah. it to us. We'll retweet yes, it. Tweet us, yeah. Send us a Nick pic. <laughs> Nick pick. <laughs> oh God, another thing. Um, and speaking of, hey, you know what? Today we bring back Sophie Sunday. <sighs> right. Marvelous, isn't it? It's marvelous. I guess we'll be talking about that more later. But first, that you had, you sat down and talked to Jana about the Bundesliga. Yes, very excited for this. Um, this weekend, the uh, Bundesliga had its first um, uh, first round of fixtures. Now. There's 12 teams in the Bundesliga, and to do them justice, we want to talk a little bit about everyone at the start. So we decided that when we were going to preview it, we're going to do it in two slots. Now, traditionally, the Bundesliga has been dominated by four teams, and there's been eight sides that are trying to catch them up. So we split it in in two. We're going to do half the preview this week, half the preview next week. So Yara and I um, sat down a couple of weeks ago to look at the eight outsiders, Okay, the teams that may not contend for the top four, but they're still going to have a, a big shake-up in saying where the title goes because uh, they're obviously competing in the league. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll play this. Um, I was really pleased to chat to Yana about. We'll play this, and then we'll come out and just talk a, bit, a little bit quickly about this weekend's results. So uh, this is uh, me and our Bundesliga expert, Yana Lange, discussing the upcoming season. Right then, guys, the um, Bundesliga is only a few weeks away from starting, and by the time this goes out, it may have started. I'm, I'm not totally sure yet, but uh, Jan and I are going to sit down and just have a good chat about the whole league. So, hi, Jana. Hi, Adam. How are you? 
I'm good. How are you? I'm fine. Is everybody in Germany getting really excited for the the start of the Fram Bundesliga? I think so. I'm sh I'm surely excited. So um, I guess everybody involved in women's soccer is looking forward to uh, get the ball rolling again. Good. Good. I think what we'll do is then we'll, we'll we'll have a look down the, t the teams and we'll start at the at the bottom and work our way up. But before we do that, is there a, is there a salary cap for all these teams? You know, can they pay any player what they want, or is it the financial restraints on each team? Just that's a good place to start. No, no, we don't uh, actually have any restraints uh, like a salary cap with the like in the, in the US with the franchises and, and everything. Our system is like a, a little different. Um, so uh, there are no restraints, no salary caps. Okay, so, so if you and I bought a club, we could chuck as much money into it as, as, as we wanted? Yes, we okay. can spend everything. We usually spend on uh, food and beer yeah. uh, for every game, uh, every player <laughs> we want. That's good, that's good. So I think we'll, we'll start at the bottom then. And um, the two teams that have come up this year are Cologne FC, which is very close to you, and, and Werder Bremen now. These are both big names in men's football in Germany. I know Bremen have had some success in the last 10 years or so, but uh, how do you think they're going to get on now in the women's now that they're up in the big time? Yeah, both teams um, kind of wanted to, to go up for some time now. So um, I'll start with uh, Bremen. Um, well, they're, they're pretty much a, a team who just wants to stay in the league. They, they keep it low, I, I guess, for the first time around uh, in the, in the uh, first division. So um, they are likely focus, focus on the defense and not getting, getting uh, thrashed by, by uh, the other opponents. And um, what's pretty interesting is that they will play the fellow newbies as the FC Köln in the, in the first match. So that's going to be an right. uh, interesting matchup for both sides to see um, how they, how they um, hold up. And um, Bremen also has a new coach. Uh, as well, so um, this guy called Stefan Rau will uh, probably bring some new impulses and adjustments and um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they cope with that and um, if I look at the players and I think maybe the player to watch uh, on that team um, could be Cindy König, uh, she's uh, playing in the attack. Um, I read that she has the nickname by the local press, a goal queen of Bremen. Like. So yeah, she she uh, she scored 50 goals in 100 games for uh, Bremen. So yeah, she could be a, a key player if she holds up with the quality in the in the Bundesliga, of course. And yeah, Köln probably have the same same goal for for the first time around in the league just um, stay in the league um, I know that they uh, had the goal to go up for for some seasons now and they finally made it um, they have a big plus because they have um, already some more experienced players on the squad um, that could give them the stability they need to uh, stay in the league and avoid relegation and um, yeah both have the the plus uh, that they can kind of share facilities um, with the men's teams, of course, um, that's always helpful. And um, player to watch for me on, on the Cologne team uh, would be um, Nina Ehrgertz, um, also um, a striker. Uh, she came from, she's a new signing, she came from uh, Gütersloh, who still play in the second division. She's a U19 national player here in Germany and um, 
yeah, maybe she can give the attack the the extra power they need to uh, stay in the league. Good. Just looking at last, the bottom two sides get relegated, and um, I've just got on the other screen. I've got the league table here. Um, do you think either team can do as bad as Hereford did last year? I mean, they only got five <sighs> points. Um, is that normal, or, or does it, is it normally closer than that, or was it just one bad team in a really bad bad year last year? Yeah, I think in the last years there's always been one team who was um, kind of getting a kicking every time uh, they played. So last time it was uh, Hereford, where you can always uh, rely on uh, they they losing mm. a game, uh, which is pretty bad for for the league, of course. Um, so um, I hope both teams will will do better than that. Because yeah. obviously, if you can't do any worse than that, um, no. um, yeah, they probably uh, are a bit more um, uh, experienced and, and maybe uh, will stick around a little bit uh, longer. That's good. good. It, it's always it's always tough for any league when you have a, a team getting out hammered like that. I think, but um, yeah, it's it's good that the men's these big German men's teams now Bayern won it last year, and now you've got Cologne and Bremen, so it's starting to turn. You know, you get some big names in the league now, aren't you? I think that can only help it grow. I think. Yeah, I think so. If they if they really mean it and and they um, put in a little effort and, and 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 try to support the the women as well, it's it's only good for the the men's teams as well. I think image wise, uh, obviously, um, but you have to do it in a in a real way. It's it doesn't help if you just put your name on it and yeah. um, just let them do what they want to do and don't help them and support them so um, it's kind of it's a, definitely um, a development to watch here in, in Germany if that's um, going to be the, the the main focus um, in, the, in the Bundesliga for, for uh, um, yeah. clubs who, who are, have men's, team, men's teams in, in the back yeah, I, I hope that Cologne, because Cologne's mascot is a goat. They have a live goat at the men's games, and I know everyone else thinks it's stupid, but I, I want to see the goat at the women's games as well. But <laughs> maybe they have a female goat or something. <laughs> they should do. If yeah, if it works for the men's, it should work for the women's as well. But that's I, 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 I think goats are quite cool. But that's just me being an idiot. We'll, we'll figure that out in the be beginning of October when we go to the game. Yes, we'll get to see the goat or, or no goat if it's worth it. <laughs> Next, next team along then, now these finished um, SC Sand, now they just avoided relegation last year by two points and they're quite an old club aren't they, they're like the old German sporting club model aren't they? But, um... <laughs> yeah, a little bit like that, it's a, it's a small, small club, um, uh, yeah, as you said they avoided relegation in a really tight, tight finish uh, last year and um, now they have another challenge to face because um, they had a coaching change uh, close to the start of the season. So um, they have a new coach now because the old one, um, who, whose name is Sven Karlott, uh, took off uh, to a men's team uh, in the middle of preparation. Um, so that is always tough on a team, I guess, but um, yeah, it won't make, uh, make things easier for, for Zanz now. Um, but um, they had, the new coach is called Alexander Fischinger, so he's on the job now. Um, they had a lot of changes in the squad as well, so um, it's going to be interesting. Um, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm afraid they won't uh, cope really well in the, maybe in the first half of the season, and then they have to fight back maybe a little bit. So, um, but they also have a player to watch, I think, um, 
I'm interested to see how she's doing. Her name is Nina Burger. She's a new signing from Austria, um, striker for the national team of Austria as well. Um, I believe she played in the NWSL as well uh, mm -hmm. for Houston, I think. Mm -hmm. um, she has been Austria's top scorer for a couple of seasons, so it's going to be um, interesting to see if she can prevail in the in the Bundesliga level as well yeah and the good thing with with sans uh, if you go on their facebook page i think they're one of the best teams on facebook because i know all the bundesliga teams do more on facebook than twitter but every th every day there's something new going up on the, on their page so at least i think they are trying to get more fans through the th through the gate but it's going to be a tough season for them i think yeah it's, it's cool that they do that i think um all the clubs are not so familiar with Twitter right now, I think. But uh, Facebook, uh, if you follow the teams on, on Facebook, a lot of teams post a lot of pictures from pre-season and stuff. And it's cool to see that, definitely. Yeah. Okay, so they might have a tough one. But moving up, um, a team you know very well, uh, Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, again, they're a big men's team in Germany, aren't they? They're one of those teams uh, in the Champions League, sometimes in the Europa League. Um, lost the Champions League final to Real Madrid quite a while ago, but um, what, what's going to happen at the Bay Arena this year then, do you think? Because I know you, you know this team very well. Yeah, it's uh, a team I could talk a lot about, but uh, try to keep it short anyway. Um, yeah, it's an interesting team. Um, they struggled a lot last season, unfortunately. Um, they fought against being relegated as well. Um, typically, they're um, pretty pretty young squad. Um, they don't want to spend a lot of money on the women's team, I have to say that. Um, so they have a tight budget, but um, um, they're always without any big names, big stars, um, but with lots of potential and young national players. Um, but that makes them a little bit unstable uh, on the other hand. Uh, so uh, I definitely hope that they find ways to be more um, effective in the attack. Uh, this season and speaking of big names uh, they have a big signing this time they uh, the player to watch obviously is <laughs> Annika Kram um, which was a surprising move um, she announced that a couple of days before the World Cup started I think um, she definitely stands out in the team because she's much older than the most uh, most of the players she's uh, 30 and um, yeah very experienced international player the center back of the German national team with I think 123 caps or oh, something. Wow. Um, yeah, she came from Paris, uh, the Champions League uh, finalist, uh, to join to join this uh, young team. Um, she definitely wanted to be closer to home. She's from um, Bochum, which is not too far away from Leverkusen. Um, yeah, she will be a leader on this team uh, definitely, and. Uh, they, this team needs a leader, and uh, she should give the defense uh, a lot more stability. Okay. So um, that's going to be really interesting to to see how she she will uh, influence this team. Yeah, that's that's good. Um, do you think they might have a good go at one of the cups, winning the cup competition? Do you think maybe? Um, it would be nice. Would be nice um, if they advance further in the in the, in the DFB um, cup. Uh, maybe this time, but they always uh, tend to um, kind of struggle because they get um, hard opponents 
pretty yeah. early. Maybe this time they'll be more lucky with a draw, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, it would be fun to see them play in Cologne because yeah. there's this rivalry with uh, Leverkusen and Cologne and maybe some some from the family and friends could come and see them play yeah. in the big stadium. That would be nice. That's good. Well, let's hope they have a... I, I don't like the shirts, but um, apart from that, fine. You don't like the shirts, the, no, the I, red and black ones? No. I love them. The away kit's very good though, because that's blue and black, isn't it? I remember when Leverkusen got to the Champions League final and they beat all three English teams in a row and they had that, the blue and black away and the red and black at home, so... Blue and black, I can't remember that, but uh, this time... I, I don't know what the uh, away jersey actually is, but I, I like the black and uh, red one, that's yeah. cool. And they, they have an Ashley and Harris lookalike in gold, don't they? Looking at that <laughs> Do they? <laughs> Look, that picture you, you sent me had like the long goalkeeper with the long blonde hair in the yeah. middle, so... You, I think she was probably the most photogenic. Is that why they put her in the middle? I, I don't know. Maybe, oh, maybe because she looks so fierce. Yeah, let's hope they play more fierce than, than last year. <laughs> yeah, they should, they should. So, moving along now, we've, uh, there's all these letters. F-F-U-S-Z-Jena, or is it just Jena? How, how would you call it? I, I... In German, you uh, probably only say USV-Jena, so you keep away the, the FF in the, in the beginning, which means just uh, Frauenfußball, which is oh. women's soccer, so it's just Jenna. trying to point out that it's a women's soccer team. Yeah. So it's uh, USV Jena uh, in that case. Okay. Yeah, that's a... Um, former East German, club. Former, one of the former East German clubs in the league, aren't they? Um, no, they're affiliated with the University of, of Jena, which is what, what, the, what the U stands for, kind oh, of. Right. Um, <laughs> that's that's um, how they uh, got founded in the, in the beginning, I think. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a club that's been um, financially struggling in the, in the recent past. Um, I'm sorry to say that, but it's still happening in the Bundesliga. Um, they had a hard season as well, and um, now they made some changes in the squad, a lot of changes actually. Um, yeah, so we'll have to kind of see how that new chemistry um, will work out for them and if they can leave those financial problems in the past and out of the heads of the players. Um, for me, the player to watch um, should be Amber Hearn, um, who is a crucial part of their game, I think. Um, she's been with the club since 2011, I think, and um, plays for the national team of uh, New Zealand, okay. uh, played in the World Cup as well. So, um, yeah, they will definitely rely on her as a, as a leading player in a kind of changed-up team. So, another, another season of finishing in mid-table, you think, for them? Yeah, it's going to be, I mean, yeah, they might have a, another hard season. Um, definitely will try to stay stay in the league, maybe yeah. they'll stay uh, in the same spot. Mm -hmm. So, moving up, we've got um, Freelberg. Uh, I like their logo, the, the badge is pretty cool. I've not been looking at that. So, yeah, but they have really weird shirt, shirts this time, I have to oh, say right. that. What, they the they look a like? little crazy. Um, but, yeah, SC Freiburg, um, they had... Um, if you look at the table from last year, you can see that they had definitely had problems in the, yeah. the defense last yeah, last season. Where um, aside from from Herford, we talked about them. Um, they got relegated and um, they got the most uh, goals scored on them. I think they conceded like 62 goals in, in 22 games. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's way too much, and they need to work uh, on that, obviously. Um, and they have a new coach. 
uh, Jens Scheuer um, and some new players as well. So um, that will might give them a fresh start. And they definitely have a very interesting player uh, in the in the attack. Maybe you especially remember her from the World Cup game against England. Lena Petermann. She she started that game. Uh, blonde striker. Well, the tattoos um, down the arm. N- no, no tattoos. She's just pretty big, no. something like Alexandra Pop from the from the uh, physique, maybe. Um, yeah, she she's um, she's still young, um, very physical. I hope she can um, make the next step in her development. Um, she arrived in Freiburg, uh, I think, a, week, uh, a year ago. Uh, she played in the U.S. at college uh, in Orlando before. So um, yeah, she she needed some time to settle in. I think um, she played a good World Cup. So I think. Um, this might be her season to kind of take the take the her game and the team maybe to a better level. Yeah, I mean they won seven games, didn't they? That's why they managed to, even though they let a lot of goals in. If you're winning with three points for a win, yeah, winning exactly, games. exactly. Yeah, that's they've been a little inconsistent. I I, I remember they um, played in Leverkusen and they uh, uh, lost maybe I don't know. If, one one to five or something as mm. they conceded really a lot of goals and I think a player um, saw a red card or something and was um, they, they were playing weird I have to say yeah. that they were kind of inconsistent and uh, maybe they get uh, things figured out with a new coach yeah it's, it's always funny when you get a team like that you never know what you're going to get do you really but um, yeah yeah full of surprises sometimes yeah yeah and moving up a place with um, Hoffenheim. Now these these are like a club that's come from like the men's side have come from nowhere, haven't they? Really, in the past like ten years, it's a very small place. And yeah, it's a small place, but um, there was this um, guy who spent a lot of money on the men's team. So um, I think uh, they kind of figured out that uh, a women's team would be a good idea as well, and they um, did pretty well in the last uh, year. So um, they. Uh, they kind of a little bit like Freiburg from the from the men's club uh, kind of view, a smaller club, um, but really professional um, surroundings, and uh, um, they seem to have uh, settled in fairly well. So they finished ninth in two thousand fourteen and uh, uh, sixth uh, last season. So um, by now they should know their way around in the league, and um, yeah, they. They get to use a lot of professional infrastructure. Um, like I don't know if you heard about that uh, a football note. Have you ever heard about a football note? No, no, I haven't. <laughs> it's a crazy uh, thing. I, I saw it once in um, at the men's team of Borussia Dortmund here uh, nearby. It's uh, you have to uh, search for it on YouTube. It's a, some kind of training device, um, a, a training site for. Um, passing and high intensity training it's it's really cool Hmm. Um, yeah you should look that up that's funny Mm -hmm. and um, they have a big name behind the scenes actually I don't know if uh, you know that Uh, Birgit Prinz is actually working uh, with that club hi Barry (laughs) um, who's that is he a big guy um, Birgit Prinz the the former uh, FIFA player of the of the year and I think still record national player for for Germany um she she works at the club at the as a sport sports psychologist is that how you call it yeah she she's with the team a lot and um she she helps them um prepare and obviously has a very professional point of view about everything uh 
And um, I think the player to watch on on the team is uh, Martina Moser, a Swiss international. She played the, the World Cup as well. As well. Um, she's quite experienced and um, a key player for them, so definitely a leader. So I, I think they'll maybe they'll stay in, in sixth place, maybe but they can um, move up a little bit. We'll see. Yeah. Okay, so that, that's good for them. They're, they're kind of like um, the German version of what we, we had Wigan Athletic, who were like a small team and made the way to the Premier League, so... That, that's uh-huh. what I think they are. Um, and then the last one we're going to cover on this part, which is like the other eight teams, is um, SN. Now, these finished fifth last year, so they kind of... The German league last year was kind of split into two, wasn't it? You had four really good sides for the championship and then eight, eight teams doing the, doing, the, uh, doing the rest of the stuff. But um, SN yeah. got 28 points, 20 points behind fourth. Um, what do you make of their chances this year? Can they bridge that gap or are they going to go in reverse? It's kind of, kind of hard to say, but um, I think it's cool that they finished top of the, the rest because they're, they're um, a club who focuses a lot on um, developing young players and bringing them to the Bundesliga early. And um, it's an interesting team. Um, they are usually not easy to play against for the um, top teams. Um, they have a quite physical style of play. Um, and as I said, some interesting young players promising talents um, who get a lot of playing time, which is great for uh, the de- development and maybe in the future the, the national team. Um, one of the players to watch, I think, uh, would be Leah Schuller, um, also in the attack. She's, I think, 17 years old only. Uh, she plays for um, the German under-19. Um, yeah, I hope to see more from, from her. Maybe she can um, move up a notch and... Uh, Get closer to the to the German national team. Okay. So now we've chatted about those eight. Um, which one, if you had to, you know, put a few euros on, um, which one of those do you think will finish fifth? And do you think any can, you know, really get into that or certainly push the top four closer? Oh, that's hard to say. Um, yeah, I'd love to say Leverkusen because <laughs> the coach also said they want to f- uh, finish uh, fifth. Uh, or sixth place uh, this time. Um, let's say Leverkusen and, uh, and and Essen maybe, and yeah, maybe, maybe also Hoffenheim. I have to I have to wait to see and see the other yeah. other teams. I see a little bit in the back, but I hope that they're gonna close the gap a little more. And um, yeah, one of those teams always is always good for a surprise against the the top four to keep uh, things interesting. Yeah, in the league. No oh, good. Okay, so that's that rounds up the first section of it, and uh, on the next show we'll talk about the big four, which include, um, you know, the best player in the world's joined them. So uh, we should look forward to that on the next show. So, you excited for that? Yeah, looking forward. Great stuff. I was kind of disappointed you didn't interview her in German. I thought that your German was getting. Well, it, it's we may we may do that at, at some point. It's it's only four, five weeks, I think it is, uh, till I actually go over to Germany. Yara and I are going to go and watch a game, but um, we're going to see Sophie, funnily enough. But uh, but yeah, I'm I'm really excited for following this Bundesliga and, and chatting with Yara about it. And uh, yeah, I think that was all good stuff, wasn't it? That was an interesting preview. Yeah, so much valuable information. I don't think that you'd be hard pressed to find that anywhere else. I think very comprehensive information about the Bundesliga that we just don't hear every day. And yeah, to be covering it is awesome. Thank you, Yana. I mean, it's like that's just so invaluable. I can't. I can't thank Yana enough for contributing 
to the show and, and teaching us about the Bundesliga and some of these players and some of these players we know we've heard of and you know some of these teams maybe we've heard about but to get that insight information and, and knowledge is just awesome and, and she manages to put up with me for half an hour or so while we're recording that so that's is even... the kicker that's the kicker yeah, <laughs> yeah. but just chatting about these results quick show mm-hmm. gonna go on the results um champions by Munich they beat um Turbine Potsdam. I know that's not may have not have pronounced Turbine right, but Jana thinks that's quite cool the way I pronounce it, so I'll, I'll carry on doing it my way. Um, Bayern Munich beat Turbine Potsdam 3 1. Uh, Lisa Evans, Scottish international, she scored one of the goals for Bayern, and hopefully we'll be having her on the next show. Touch one if all things goes goes well. Mm-hmm. Um, this game was actually streamed live on the German FA website, and it was good to watch it. Uh, Potsdam with some dodgy defending, but but Bayern won 3 1. Uh, Jaina, they lost. They got hammered eight 0 at home by Wolfsburg. Big, big game that for last year's runners-up. Good, good way to start the season. FFC Frankfurt or, or FFC Sophie, whatever you want to call them, they had a really good two 0 win over Essen. Obviously, I'm delighted because I'm tipping Frankfurt to win the league. You'll, you'll, you'll be really surprised to, to hear that. Yeah. Uh, big news. Just a couple of interesting Frankfurt bits. Yuki Amagi, Amagi, sorry. Uh, she's former Chelsea ladies player, she scored one of the goals, the first goal. They had to wait quite a while to break um, break Essa down. I think it was two goals in the last 15 minutes. But uh, interesting, you'll probably want to know, Sophie Schmitz weighing number 12 this year for um, Frankfurt, so that's that's big news. Shocking. I, I, I thought it was, but uh, she's now gone from being the best number 13 in the world to being the best number 12 in the world. So at least now for you fangirls, Alex Morgan can go back to being the best 13 in the world. You say so. Uh, the battle of the promoted sides, a uh, bit of a shock on this. Uh, Bremen, they uh, thumped Cologne 6-2, but Cologne did go 2-0 up. Um, they were 2-1 up at half-time and then lost 6-2, so don't know what happened in the second half there, but it wasn't very good. Freelberg drew 0-0 with Hoffenheim. Zanz FC, they had a, uh, a solid 4-0 win over Leverkusen, which is a bit of a surprise, but uh, well, Leverkusen's star defender wasn't playing, so I think things will get better for Leverkusen in the next couple of weeks coming up. But if you're not already doing it, as we said in the preview, you really do need to follow all these teams on Facebook because um, they're much more active on Facebook than they are Twitter and there's stuff going up every day. So I thoroughly recommend you follow these guys on, on Facebook. And also the German FA website has a, has a nice link to the women's and, mm. and, and to the women's Bundesliga. And they really do a nice job uh, recapping the games. You know, they'll give you like nice graphics on the formations and things like that. So they do, they do a great job with that too. And, and next week they're streaming the Sophie game. They're streaking Hoffenheim, streaming Hoffenheim versus FSC Frankfurt. And I believe it's at 12 o'clock European time. So you have to work out to your relative time zone where that is. But, um, but yeah, that's going to be a good one. That awesome. Sophie, Sophie, Sophie on the internet. <laughs> oh God, it'll break the internet. I think it will. I think it will crash the the website completely. Just, just uh, for a follow on, I'm I'm going over to Germany about four or five weeks. I think it is. It's it's the weekend after the NWSL uh, playoff final. So um, the, we'll, we'll, I won't be doing that show, but we've got the cowgirls to stand in as a co-host, as a guest host, haven't we? For that, hopefully, unless she backs out on me. If, yeah, well, a... if not, if not, well, Barry will be with me in Germany, so mm. I'm sure we can get some some tramp off the street to come and help you out. <laughs> AJ. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny when I look at these, uh, when I look at the standings and I read these names and these in the Bundesliga, I almost, I, I have an urge to drink beer. I don't know what it is. 
<laughs> makes me thirsty. Yeah, I'm looking forward to having some German beer when I go over there. But um, next show, Jan will be taking us through the, the top four clubs. Um, it's no secret that I'm obviously tipping FFC Frankfurt to win it, but uh, Jan knows a lot more than me, so you'll have to tune in to see who she thinks is going to become the champion at the end of the season. I'm going to pick Wolfsburg. You're going to pick Wolfsburg, yeah. eh? Okay, that's o- cool. Only because I drive a Volkswagen, and yeah. that's their sponsor. So Yeah, they are top of the league at the moment, but obviously we've only played one game, so... You are out in front at the minute. Oh, good for me. Hmm, (laughs) But there's plenty of time to catch up, isn't there, Barry? That's the Bundesliga. So uh, thank you to Jan, and I'll um, look forward to chatting to you when you get back. Yeah, can't wait. Keep learning more stuff. That's what I love. I want to learn more stuff about leagues. And speaking of leagues, what's going on in the FAWSL? It's getting really exciting now. Last week we had a big game, Chelsea versus Arsenal. Now these are the two teams that were front-running for the title. It was at Arsenal. Chelsea went in there, real statement, beat them 2-0. Jilly Fackerty and um, got one of the goals, a former Arsenal player. In fact, both goals came from, from former Arsenal players and that put Chelsea five points ahead of Arsenal but only two points ahead of Sunderland. Who, Sunderland, the Black Cats, who remain in second place. I'm not sure you've got the, the, the table up, have you? I do. It's getting really exciting because we've got... To, it's tight at the bottom and it's tight at the top as well. So we'll start at the top with the title race. There's realistically four teams that are in with a shout of winning the championship. We'll go to the top. Now we have Chelsea. Now they, they, they have three games left. They play Notts County at home next week. Then they play Liverpool away and Sunderland at home, OK? If Chelsea win all three matches, they will be the champions, regardless of what happens. Second place, Sunderland. Now, you have to remember, this is a team that just got promoted, so they're doing a fantastic job. Sunderland play Manchester City away, Arsenal at home, and Chelsea away. Now, the interesting thing here is if Sunderland win all those three games, then they will, too, win the league. Because what will happen, if Chelsea win their next two games and Sunderland win their next two games... The last game of the season will be a title decider versus Chelsea and Sunderland. So, how cool will that be? That'd be awesome. Great for Sunderland. Uh, yes, uh, great for the league as well, but yeah. especially a promoted club. Now, Arsenal, they're still in with the chance, so they do have a lot of work to do because they have to go away to Liverpool, away to Sunderland, and then they finish at Birmingham at home. But this is the one that could really put a spanner in the works. Is at Manchester City, your girls, they're in third position. They're five points behind the leaders, but they do have a game in hand. So they have four matches to play this season, and those four matches are all in Manchester. They play Sunderland at home, Liverpool at home, Bristol, the bottom club at home, and Notts County. All those four games are at home, and all those four Mm. games are very winnable for them. So that, that really could be interesting. If Chelsea slip up, then Manchester City could still take this title. So it's great that we've got a situation now where all where four teams could still win the league, although it's going to be probably a little bit tough for Arsenal from now on in. But certainly it's fascinating with those three teams, isn't it? It is. And to me, Manchester City, how exciting is that? Because they know all these teams that they're going to be facing. They, I mean, they just beat Liverpool, right, 2-0. So they have the confidence. Yep. They have confidence going into the this homestand. Absolutely. And if you look at it as well, They've only got they've got Sunderland to play at home, but those other three teams, Liverpool, Bristol and Notts County, they're out of the promotion race. Mm. I mean, promotion race, they're out of the championship. So those are four very winnable games. So Chelsea really have to be on their money. 
I mean, as I say, if Chelsea win those three games, it doesn't really matter what happens. But you've got to remember there is that second place. If you finish second, you get into the Champions League. And we'll briefly mention that in a, in a minute. But but yeah, it's so so it's so exciting what could happen from here on in. But um, and you guys are getting big crowds over there too. I've been paying attention to some of the attendance records and. Yes, it's it's getting up. It's I mean it's getting up to nearly the two thousand mark. I think there was eighteen hundred in the Continental Cup game today between Liverpool and Manchester City at Manchester. I know Notts County been getting great crowds. There was a big crowd in Arsenal, so the crowds have definitely picked up with the World Cup. But um, speaking of big games at the bottom, it's the big game next week. Bristol Academy host Birmingham. Now, if you look at those standings, one of those two teams are going to going going to be relegated. I think if Bristol are going to do it, they've got to win that game. So that's a fascinating matchup as well, isn't it? Yeah, to have that whole season riding on one game. Yeah, can you, can you imagine? I mean, that there's probably more pressure in a game like that than there is at the top. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine being a, being a player in a game like that? It really is, you know, squeaky bum time. But Birmingham's the surprise one because they finished third in the league last year. And it's pretty much the same squad that, that finished there. It's just not happened that it's... When you have a short season like this, you've got to get. If you don't get out the blocks fast, you can get bogged down, and that's that's what's happened with Birmingham. They really do. Um, going to be a tight game that one down at Bristol. It really is. I mean, for a confidence boost, the Continental Cup that's been played, played. We haven't mentioned it much because the group stage is still going on. But Bristol did lose two 0 at home to Birmingham in that competition today. So Birmingham will take a little bit of a psychological advantage going into that. I think. So you want to move over to the FAWSL two. How's yes, that? How's that shaping up? Doncaster and, and Reading are really running away with it. They're not confirmed yet. I think um, I think Doncaster, who have just beaten Sunderland, by the way, in the Continental Cup today, so well done to them, you know, top of FAWSL 2 and getting a, a great 3-2 win at Sunderland. Nick Hobbs in goal, playing an absolute blinder from all accounts. Um, Doncaster, yeah, they need to, they've got five games left and they only need two more wins from those five games. I, I do know they still have teams like the London Bees still to play. So it's looking good on that. Although one game that is still coming up is Reading versus Doncaster. And for all intents and purposes, that's going to be a title decider, I think. Mm. Everton have won four league games on the spin, but I think it's going to be a little bit too late for them to get into the promotion battle. So, yeah, it's looking like Doncaster and Reading. It's just not going to be sure which order they're going to finish, I think. And either way, Doncaster and Reading will both advance, right, into FAWSL? Yeah. Yeah, because we're, we're expanding FAWSL 1 over the next two seasons. So for this year and next year, two teams will come up and one team comes down. So next year we'll be running like you guys with nine teams in the top flight. So someone will have a bye week. And then the next year we'll have we'll be up to 10 teams in FAWSL 2. FAWSL 1, sorry. So so yes, there are two places up for grabs and it's looking at odds on. And it's going to be Reading and Doncaster. And it's going to be a hell of a game Great. between those two. It's down at Reading. You remember I was at the game in Doncaster when Reading uh, won 3-0. So um, Doncaster will be looking out for revenge. And I think Doncaster know that a draw or a win there will probably seal the championship. So it's weird. Since Reading have lost Frank Kirby, they've actually got better. Mm-hmm. You know, that they're still winning games. It, it's crazy, really. You, you'd think losing a player like that would, would hurt a club. But they just seem to have, um, you know, taken it in their stride. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why she didn't feel bad about leaving. She's like, "Hey, you guys are doing okay without me. I'll just, I'll just move on." Yeah, up. <laughs> she could well have done it. She could absolutely well have done. Just, um, 
rounding up now, we did mention it briefly, the Women's Champions League first round's been drawn. I, I was going to be cruel and get you to read the entire draw out, but I'm too much of a gentleman to do that. I'll just quickly mention the British team's uh, involvement in this end. Patty's going to read out the entire draw because I have to pronounce these American teams, so Patty's going to have a go. Just uh, We've got a British derby. We have uh, Chelsea hosting Glasgow City. It's going to be a fun one. And Liverpool, they, they play Brescia from Italia. Hmm. But um, um, FFC Frankfurt, FFC Sophie, the, the cup holders, they've got a nice local one. They're going to Standard Liège from Belgium. So those are the interesting ties, and, and Patty's now going to read no. out the entire draw for us. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> okay, she's not going to. Right. Uh, yeah, you can go on the uh, the Women's uh, <laughs> Championship League website and read it all, or we'll put it out on our show notes. All right, good stuff. Well, that'll be fun. Are you going to any of those matches? Uh, possibly not, no, mm-hmm. um, but I will be going to, to see Sophie when they get to the final. <sighs> Got to see Sophie. I'm, I'm going to send, her, I'm gonna send her an email and warn her that you're coming over to stock, I mean, to watch her. Hi, Adam Barlow. This is Sophie Schmidt here in Santa Monica. I uh, just wanted to give you a shout out. Thanks for all the support. Uh, I do see all your social media stuff towards me, and I really appreciate it. Take care. Yeah, well, that's fine. That's, that's what I am. You know, I, I can't claim to be anything else than that. That's right. right. Okay, and to quote Monty Python, now for something completely different. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, um, I came across, I know we always like to do different things here and talk about different things, and I came across this film recently. It's an independent film that I'm really excited to talk about. It's called The New Generation Queens, A Zanzibar Soccer Story. I tracked down the young filmmaker who wrote and directed it, Megan Schutzer, and so I was very excited when she agreed to come on the show and, and talk about the film. It's an awesome film, um, talking about a subject that you know, when we first put this show together, we wanted to touch upon, and that's, you know, to spotlight areas in the world where women are not allowed to play soccer. And, you know, I even hate that sentence. It's, it's, it's a sentence that shouldn't even be, you know. It's like saying it's a place where birds aren't allowed to fly, you know. <laughs> it's a forest where trees aren't allowed to grow. I mean, it's just that phrase, women are not allowed to play football. It just shouldn't, it, it shouldn't make sense, you know. Hmm? I, I know where birds aren't allowed to fly. Where? The Antarctic, penguins. Oh, boy. But they're not. But it's not illegal for them not to fly. No, they, yeah, they can't fly, can't they? Anyway, you know what I mean. I mean, a lot of times yeah. it's cultural. Many times it comes yeah. Yeah. kind of from just religious beliefs, you know, and you know, not putting down religions. It's just that sometimes cultures will use religion to repress women, and that and that's a farce. And we all know it. So this is why I'm super happy to introduce this guest and talk about this film and the women in Zanzibar, who many of them stood up and said, you know, I can be a woman. I can be a Muslim, and I can be a soccer player. So it's just great stuff. And so let's listen to my interview with filmmaker and soccer player, Megan Schutzer. So joining us today is a talented young filmmaker who is touring the world right now promoting her amazing documentary film titled New Generation Queens, A Zanzibar Soccer Story. Please welcome Megan Schutzer. Hi, Megan. Hi, Patty. First of all, congratulations on your amazing film. I saw it. I loved it. I can't stop talking about it. Thanks so much. It was um, a total joy to make this movie, so I'm glad that people are seeing it. And before we talk about the new generation queens, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, your background, and your connection with with soccer. Sure. Um, I grew up in New York City, and from a very young age, as the youngest of four kids who were not, the three older ones were not soccer players, but from a very young age, I was asking about soccer, and eventually my parents let me join the neighborhood team, which was a boys' team. 
so I was on an all-boys team from the age of, like, 9 through 12 um, in New York, and we played all over the different boroughs, and I think the coolest part was that these were kids, mostly uh, kids from immigrant families, and so not only was I the only girl and felt a bit like an outsider for that reason, but I, I think, like, I... I found, like, a really cool way to bridge cultural differences through sports, and that's something that I've also found as an adult. So that was my intro to soccer, and I've been playing ever since, although I tend to prefer to play in women's games these days. <laughs> yeah, that seems like a common story I hear a lot, you know, just because of the, the generational thing that, that kids grew up playing with boys, young girls anyway. Yeah. So it's kind of common. Uh, so for uh, for those who don't know, tell us a little bit about your film, New Generation Queens, a Zanzibar soccer story. What's it about? Uh, New Generation Queens is about Zanzibar, Zanzibar's women's soccer team. And to back up for a bit, Zanzibar is a small island off the coast of East Africa. It's an island where women are not encouraged to play sports, and soccer is a sport that's considered immoral for women to play. The fact that there is a women's team there um, is pretty amazing. They come up against a lot of odds in order to play. The documentary follows this team as they prepare for a tournament um, on the mainland in Tanzania. And it's a tournament where Tanzania recruits for its national team. So this is a chance for the girls not only to leave the island for the first time, but to actually think about their future and, and whether they could go on to play on Tanzania's national team. So that's, that's kind of the trajectory of the movie. Most of all, it's, it's kind of the, the story that the girls wanted to share, both in Zanzibar and, and elsewhere. Tell us a little bit about the, what women footballers, the, kind of their challenges in Zanzibar. So Zanzibar is an island that is extremely religious. It's 99% Muslim. And though it's not written in Islam anywhere that women cannot play soccer, the interpretation there that women's soccer is immoral. And when you ask people, they'll always use the exact same word to describe um, cultural opinions of women's soccer. And that's the Swahili word, uhuni, which means immoral. Mm. And other sports aren't necessarily considered immoral for women, so they're not necessarily encouraged. But women's soccer is, is immoral. And because of that, you'll often go to places on the island where village leadership will not allow a women's soccer game to occur in their village you'll find that if girls are playing, they get chased off the field. People equate what they're doing playing soccer with prostitution, saying that they're using it to attract men. All kinds of things like that. One woman on this team in particular, her husband divorced her because she was playing. Uh, they're facing a lot of challenges and a lot of criticism in order to play. I filmed in Stonetown, which is the, the biggest town in Zanzibar, and so I saw some of that. But it wasn't until I left Stonetown that I realized how deeply ingrained these feelings were in rural areas and how much further the girls would have to go in order to be able to play. Because in those parts of the island, it's just, not, I mean, I didn't see any women's soccer. And um, when I talked to people, it just seems like that would never be a possibility in their minds. Um, versus in Stonetown, at least, I think a lot of people in Stonetown would see women's soccer and they would say, hmm. You know, that's not, I wouldn't let my daughter do it, but, you know, they would at least have seen it and they would know it was possible. So there's a bit, there's a range of opinions, but in general, um, most people feel that it's not, it's not moral, it's not appropriate. That's crazy. You know, sometimes we forget about that, you know, and we see it a lot in the Middle East too, 
the same type of thing. And, and I know for a lot of young listeners here who play soccer every day, they take it kind of for granted uh, to tell that story and to see those challenges are really... Um, yeah, and I think, I mean, this is about soccer, but it says a lot about how like different societies in the world or this society use women's potential and, and what they can do. And soccer is just one form of women being able to leave the home and, and be strong and take joy in, in their strength. And I think it says a lot that it's not allowed. The potential that's being limited, but that could, I mean, hopefully in the future, that could be unleashed. Mm-hmm. And so here comes this white girl, this Western uh, white girl. <laughs> and how were you reset? How was the reception to you? Because now here you are, and you're encouraging them to play, and you're telling their story. How receptive were these players and their families to you coming over and, and telling their personal stories? So you weren't in any danger? No, I don't think so. And it's a very, it's not a violent society Mm. at all. Yeah, I kind of got that from the film too. And uh, especially when you start to, we start to get to know some of these players, on some of the characters, like that young girl they called Messi, that young kid. Uh, I start really (laughs) connecting with them. And that's what kind of makes the, the, gives you that extra element, that extra personal element that comes through that I love about this film. Um, there's another interesting part in the film when we discover that Tereso, the Swedish team we're all familiar with, visited Zanzibar in 1988, and they were just there on holiday, right? Tell us, tell us what happened when Tereso visited Zanzibar in 
it depends on the movie. Now I've seen it show in a few different places. People laugh when, when it's fixing nothing. But then, like, she goes on to just talk about how it was, like, the most amazing opportunity, how it was this time, for the first time they were allowed to play, and it was in front of people in the government, and because of that, they felt like they could start a team, because if this had been sanctioned, then a team would be okay. That was just, like, I mean, first of all, I think it's sort of funny that they, they have a you know, group of sports women on the field mm-hmm. playing a very good European soccer team. Right, and what did um, they call themselves? Were they the women fighters, or...? Yeah, they started a team and called themselves the the Women Fighters, and they called themselves that because they had to fight for field space. Great. And then you found the footage of the match, which I swear to God, when I saw that, I rewound it like ten times. Because just seeing yeah. the crowds in the, in the stands and just getting that, the I mean, you can hear the announcers calling the game and stuff. How did you find that footage? Um, I found the footage because I reached out to um, the coach at the time, so the coach in 1988. She mm-hmm. was a Swedish player. Her name is Gunilla Pajkul, but she was formerly uh, Gunilla Carlson. She coached the Swedish national team as well as Teresa. And she was incredibly generous with looking for this footage and sending it to me. And it was like one of the most exciting moments in, in the process of putting this movie together was to get that in the mail yeah. and to look through the footage and the, the photographs. That's awesome. And so then and so then in the film, you follow the team to Tanzania for that Copa, Copa, Copa Coca-Cola tournament. And without spoiling anything, the treatment of the women's teams in that tournament, to me, were pretty shocking. Were you prepared for that? Well, I didn't know what to expect when going to that tournament. I think what surprised me was the extent to which, and it shouldn't have surprised me, there's a lot of of, um, money put into the advertising, into the t-shirts that the girls got, the signage, uh, not so much into the the treatment of the actual soccer players at that tournament. To be honest, I didn't know what to expect when going. And I, I don't know how this compares to other tournaments that are held for for women or for, um, you know, boys or girls in Africa. Yeah, and you know what? Another great part in the film that I love is when you show the team traveling on the ferry over to Tanzania. And, you know, these girls are dancing and singing. It just reminds me of every other team we see. I mean, these girls are, like, no different. You know, in soccer, it just seems mm-hmm. like these so- soccer girls are soccer girls, no matter where, where <laughs> they are in the world, you know? That's totally true. And I think um, one thing that I loved so much about that was it was the first time I got to see that in Zanzibar, and I think um, women often don't have the opportunity to, like, sing and dance in public and be rowdy. Mm. Um, and that's probably true in, in most societies, but I think, like, it was just so cool to connect with that, and that rowdiness was, like, such fun, and, you know, just to see that side of these girls was great. Yeah. And the courage that these girls had, too, because not only to play soccer in a place where it's deemed inappropriate... Um, but uh, to also stand up against these, the Copa Coca-Cola tournament organizers, which you show really great, uh, just for basic things like water, you know, during the matches, it's just remarkable to me. I mean, they stood up to these uh, organizers for things like that. And I was starting to think, you know, you know, you think with this kind of spirit or this, you know, gumption that the women's game would have progressed faster than it has. I mean, it's been almost 30 years since that Tereso match. And, you know, they're still getting kicked off of pitches. Why do you think it's taken so long for it to progress? Is it just about the religion or is it about something else? And and how, and how um, and why do you think it, we're starting to see more change now? I think that's a really 
good question and one that these girls are probably asking themselves as well because they're playing every day and soccer is a huge part of their lives and yet they're surrounded by a total absence of women's soccer. The other girls that you see in Zimbabwe sports aren't a part of their lives. There's no middle ground between the girls that play soccer every day and Mm -hmm. the girls that have no sport opportunities in their lives. And I think because the culture in Zanzibar is so almost homogenous in that way that these girls are such outliers, Mm -hmm. I think that's part of why it didn't take off. Because the women fighters were the only team for quite a long period of time. And now the new generation queens, there are a few other teams popping up, fledgling teams, but they've really been the only team for the last seven or so years. I think it really is a a religious thing um, and a cultural thing and potentially something that's even more deeply embedded in the the economy of Zanzibar and the roles that women play in the economy and the fact that women are often, they're working in the home, maybe they're selling in the marketplace, but they're not empowered economically either. They're not out having jobs often. I mean, some do. I don't want to overgeneralize, but um, the opportunities for women are very limited. And so it's not surprising that they're not able to push for other things like and um, other opportunities. Uh, so how are things changing for women's soccer in Zanzibar since maybe since just filming this movie, for example? Any changes? Yeah, I think I think there are some changes. Uh, for, for one, there are some efforts locally. There's a woman who's interviewed in the movie named Nostra, who she was the, the badminton player I referred to earlier who mm-hmm. played in that first game in the community. And she's working with the government to start to bring women's soccer into school that girls can, can grow up playing. Um, but I've also noticed that her team and the new generation queens are working harder to recruit younger players. And, and so that effort to, to start young, I'm seeing that now. There's some external efforts as well. I know that for the last three years, an organization coaches across the continent, um, which uses soccer to teach important social lessons. They've been working in Zanzibar. They've been training coaches to incorporate different life skills, things about health, education, gender empowerment, to incorporate lessons um, of that nature into their soccer practices. And I I would imagine that that starts to have an effect in Zanzibar as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then lastly, one of the things that we did with this movie is we worked with the Zanzibar International Film Festival to show it um, in rural areas of Zanzibar. We accompanied those screenings with soccer clinics for girls and some community discussions and I think just having having people realize that this is a possibility because it's been so far off the radar I think those are the types of things that might very slowly move the needle and I think that that will continue to change um, and more opportunities will arise. Gosh did you ever think that this film I mean here you are you're actually helping grow the women's game in in that part of the world did you think that that this film would would allow you to be able to do something like that i mean that's like such a great accomplishment it's one of those things that it's hard to really like put your finger on exactly how that change happened Mm -hmm. but it's been an absolute honor to just like be a part of that process and to share the the message with these of these girls with these girls to others has been great when i was last in zanzibar in july with them the girls on the New Generation Queens and on the Women Fighters, they came and helped coach these soccer clinics. 
And I, I remembered thanking one of them afterwards and just maybe a little bit too profusely thanking her for her help. And she was like, stop, stop, stop. Tupo Pamoja, which means we are together. And that was like the greatest possible thing that she could have said to me, just to know that like what I, what we were doing with this movie was what they were trying to do as well. And that this is one effort. That was like, that was the best thing I could have heard and really what I hope that this can do, which is help them to push this forward. And so now that we have people, now that we're getting people all excited about the film, where can we watch it? Is it available for people to see? Um, at the moment, it is um, not quite available to the public because I'm applying to some film festivals. But I would say within uh, within the next year, it will definitely be available to the public. And in the meantime, um, people can sign up uh, to follow us on Facebook or Twitter or on the website. And then it will, I will be able to let them know when it's available or when there's screening that's local and the website is newgenerationqueens.com so anyone that wants to stay involved and or know what's going on can check out the website can send me an email through the website um i'd love to hear from anyone oh that's awesome and we'll put the we'll put all of that information on our our show notes when we record this on our website so people can go there and get all your facebook twitter and uh website information too Uh, oh thank you just great, great to have you on, on the show and pleasure talking with you and learning about the women's team and their inspiring story at Zanzibar. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Thank you so much. It's been a total honor on my part as well. I really enjoyed it. So awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks again to Megan for that. And I, I like also, like I said, we'll put up all her information on our website and our show notes. So just go to our website, www.show.com, and you'll see all her info. Send her an email through the website um, and keep you updated on when you can see that movie. Plus, we'll be tweeting out link, links and stuff. Yeah. So, good it's, stuff. It's, it's a fascinating story, isn't it? Especially Tyreso coming over and, and playing that match and everything. It's, it's, it's amazing. It really is good. Oh, yeah. I'm, a, I, I'm so high on this movie right now. And then one thing I want to say in closing is the backstory to this is, you know, not only are the women in Zanzibar able to tell their story through the film, uh, the film also shows, I think, people like you and me, that no matter, you know, what your talent is, and we all have individual talents, no matter what they are, we can use them to help grow the women's game around the world. And, you know, you might not be a great soccer player, or you may not work in soccer, but you have a unique talent and to help grow the game. Like Megan, she's a filmmaker. And, you know, it's an, an inspiration, I think, to us that we can do other things to help grow the women's game. We certainly can. We can all do our... We, everybody can't do everything, but everybody can do something. That's right. And so thanks again to Megan Schutzer. Great interview. Love that. Love steering yeah. stories like that. Awesome. Yeah, so it's always nice to, to do something a little bit on out of the box, isn't it? Something a bit different. It's, yes. always, it's always... If we just came on here and talked about the same crap every week, we wouldn't have a show. So right. it is nice to have different stuff on. It is. And um, also, speaking of other stuff... AJ? AJ's getting a lot of airtime on this show today. Yeah. I don't know very much about college sports, but obviously I want to learn about college sports because it's a good old American way. So <laughs> we have de- we've we've dispatched our um, top reporter, Alana AJ Johnson, to check out the college scene. So, by the way, if someone wants to educate me on college soccer, um, Adam at WWFshow.com, if you want to talk to me about it, because I'm always looking for um, new things to learn and, and chat to people. So if you want to tell me about soccer college soccer i'm more than happy to learn oh you're gonna get an email from aj for sure oh, i hope so well she was at the ohio state florida state game 
few weeks ago, and she ran into a couple players who actually, you know, gotta hand it to AJ. These a lot of these college players know her now. They say, "Hey, AJ." AJ says, "Hey, come on, let me talk to you." <laughs> it shows that college players, when they're getting their cleats up and stuff and getting ready, they obviously listen to this show because <laughs> unless AJ's infamous in, you know hanging around soccer pictures and stuff, which she isn't because she's a girl of wonderful reputation. <laughs> that, that's how, how people know of, of yeah. AJ. So, yeah, it can only be, be this show. That's all I can conclude. That's all. Let's go, uh, So, yeah, she caught up with uh, Claire Faulkner from Florida State, who grew up in Ohio and was playing against yeah, Ohio. Go, go Seminoles. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, let's hear AJ's interview with Claire Faulkner. Uh, you grew up not too far from Columbus, <laughs> down the road in Dayton. Is coming here like a home game for you, and did you grow up supporting Ohio State? Um, yeah, it's a home game for me. Um, a lot of my family members, at least on my dad's side, aren't able to go to Florida to see some of the games, and the closest game we play is Kentucky, so it's kind of a farther drive than here. Um, but yeah, my family were big Ohio State fans. Um, kind of was a Ohio State fan, but not that big. Not for soccer, at least. It was mostly just football and basketball. But I. It came ba down basically between Florida and Ohio State, and I picked Florida because I wanted something different because I know a good amount of people and girls on that team there. Good choice. Mm -hmm. um, your longtime left and right backs, Lauren and Tessa, graduated after last year. What has it been like without them, and have you guys had to make any adjustments? Yeah, it's been tough. I, I miss them a lot because um, they know the back line. They know how it works, and um, they were really experienced at going forward and defending. Um, so, I mean, we're trying new people in that position. But it's just, I mean, they're good athletes and they're good players. It's just going to take time with learning how we play in our system. Okay. Uh, Florida has 15 incoming freshmen this year. Um, have you guys had to make any major adjustments with them coming in? Mm -hmm. Like I said, we have a lot, a lot of um, seniors that played last year, like as outside backs and forwards. So we definitely had to made, make an adjustment. Um, it's been difficult because it's hard to buy into the way we play, especially with new incomers. But um, it's a process, and you know it's fine. We'll learn from this experience, and I think it's a good lesson that we lost, honestly, so we can learn and not get big heads. What are your plans after college, and do you plan to enter the NFL draft? NFL, the NWSL draft. <laughs> uh, yeah, I definitely want to play professional soccer. Um, I'll probably declare for the draft here in the United States, but I'm also thinking about going overseas. I liked the way Bayern Munich played. We played them in the spring, and they were really pretty to soccer. If Arsenal ladies offered you a contract, would mm -hmm. you go over there? Yeah, that'd be awesome. That would go for, yeah, definitely. I'd definitely consider that. <laughs> okay, great. Thank you yeah, very much. No Appreciate it. Good seeing you. You too. AJ always has to get in her Arsenal ladies plug. You know, she always wants these, I, I, yeah. she always wants these college players to go play in Arsenal. I do hope that Arsenal have got some kind of uh, endorsement deal with her. You know, <laughs> There might be a back deal that we don't know about. And AJ also caught up with Lindsay Agnew of Ohio State, who also is a Canadian national. She plays on the U-20 squad. Comes from a big hockey family, Barry. I know Barry's, Barry's waving his Canadian flag. Hey, Lindsay Agnew. Uh, so let's hear AJ's interview with Lindsay. Is there any part of your game that you're looking to improve in Ohio, this, Ohio State this year? Um, yeah, definitely. I'm really working on trying to like get low and keep balanced because I've got the long, tall legs and just like keeping working on my finishing and finding my forwards and the movement. So a lot of things I'm working, trying to improve on, but yeah. How has playing with Canada helped you with Ohio and vice versa, playing with Ohio helped you with Canada? Oh, uh, well Canada's definitely like helped set me up for success in college and like just seeing the game differently and putting in all the work on video and different things and then Ohio State definitely helps me with Canada like 
my teammates are always pushing me every day to be better and fitter and fit stronger, so I think that helps back with Canada. Now you remind me of a young Heather O'Reilly on the flanks, oh, just, just persistent, fast, mm -hmm. you never give up. Is there any player, any professional player you look up to or that you fashion your game on? Um, well, probably, I mean, my favorite players are probably Christine Sinclair and Marta. I love them. I've always loved, like, Marta for her sweet skills, and then Sinky, I just think, works her butt off and always finishes the goal, but um, I'm not sure if I'm too much like either of them. I try to use my footwork and stuff, but I don't know. I don't really know who I remind myself of, but... Your brother went to Ohio State's rival, Ohio University. Is there any trash talking around the household when they when those teams play? Uh, not too much. My brother's like super supportive and always been the one like in the goal since I've been like a little kid, like stopping the goal with his hockey uh, gloves because he's a hockey player. And so he's always cheering for me and I cheer for his hockey team, but not, you know. So there's not too much. We're, we're family supporters, so. All right, last question. What are your plans after you graduate? Do you plan to enter the NWSL draft? Yeah, definitely. I really want to go and play pro, so if I can get an offer in the U.S., then I would do that, but I would also be open to going overseas or whatever, so I really want to keep improving and get there, so it's awesome. my dream. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much. Nice seeing you. And so the one thing that I, that I love hearing about these, these college players, they all are looking to enter the NWSL draft, and that's great. I mean, uh, like we heard the uh, Faulkner say she'd like to go over to Bayern Munich, and and I'm sure Agnew's open to going overseas too, like she said. But uh, it's it's good that they have those options, you know, that they just don't have to graduate college and then stop playing soccer. It's It just shows you it's a global game now, doesn't it? And it's always good to have avenues because when we've covered the draft in the past, we've often said that um, most players eligible for the draft won't get drafted. So it's only sensible that you have a backup plan. You look at going overseas and places like that. So it's good. But um, obviously... College soccer. Now, we're going to try and cover this a bit more on the show. It's just uh, we're trying to sort out the logistics of it, basically. But um, I love this. You have rankings, don't you? The NCAA rankings. Okay, so we have at number one, Florida State. Number two, Virginia. Three, Stanford. Four, Texas A&M. You know, Johnny Manziel. You know, he's famous for there and all that, isn't he? North Carolina, Penn State. Seven, Notre Dame. Number eight, we have South Carolina. Nine, Virginia Tech. Um, number 10, Pepperdine. Now, these are all... It's weird, isn't it? Because the coaches kind of decide the rankings. It's, it's quite crazy how it... There seems to be some weird mathematical formula of doing it. Um, I don't know. But, but yeah, we need to get someone on who knows about college soccer more than me, which wouldn't be hard, really. Uh, Boo-boo the fool probably knows yeah. more than me. <laughs> yeah, and it's still early in the season. or only like two weeks in to college right now. So, And we'll be covering it more. As the season goes on, and of course, these is these are the future players. You know, these are the future professionals that we're going to be watching. So, it's always yeah. fun to pay attention to what's going on in the, N the NCAA. Yeah, I need to get more used to covering college college. Girls. Yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna dispatch you one of these days to yeah. one of these college games. Maybe a UCLA USC match or Stanford Cal. That's a good Stanford, one. Stanford, yeah, yeah, I, I could, I could, yeah. Sure, I could. I'd fit in there very well, but yeah. I think the girls would welcome me with open arms. <laughs> Excuse me, pardon me. Can you tell me how yeah. to get to Stanford? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, to, you know, speak the lingo and everything. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, AJ, for that on the scene. AJ, she's got she's got an, an, so many games lined up right now. AJ, a good yes, thing she and, works. Um, good thing she works for Gum. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's a. Uh, <laughs> She's in Chicago versus uh, the Houston Dutch next weekend. Yeah. So if you want an AJ selfie, go up and, and grab her. She'll she'll always um, 
she's always happy to pose for selfies and, and sign autographs and everything like that. So maybe this yeah, time she'll get maybe this time she'll get a picture with a supernova because she didn't do that last time. I instructed her to do it and she did. Oh, she, she I think she did, but um. Oh. Well, then I yeah, ignored she, her. She, yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah, I should she pay has, attention. Yeah, she should get a supernova because it was tough to work out who was who. Oh. Uh, supernova super aj super aj all right guys is that it adam anything else you want to yes, say no no i think we're all um so much stuff i mean it's just yes, like yeah like i said a potpourri so like, don't forget check us out on twitter at wwf show check us out instagram wwf show we have a facebook page and obviously keep up with um, the birthday girl cowgirl on our um, on our blog on tumblr check out out we picked our um our all-star 11s recently i mean obviously only one that picked sophie schmidt uh, uh, i don't know what my um, colleagues were drinking for not picking her you and barry uh, yeah well barry picked her as well yeah not bad. barry's team got the most kind of um, canadians um, um, yeah well abuse <laughs> people don't seem to rate barry's team but he's, he's not bothered no. all right guys thanks again yana thanks aj yep. and all the players Lindsay agnew Claire yeah, Faulkner, thank you to megan Abby. for telling us all about your film but yeah, Megan, thank you. And uh, we'll be talking to you guys. Have a great Bye. week. Bye. Bye. Throw the game. Bring back Kit Gill. <laughs> <laughs>
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.